This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is Stephen King's Cat's Eye. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I'm your gracious host. Alongside me, the spiral, saw blade encrusted, wave crashing, smash crashing, fashion dashing, passion snashing, snatch catching. Justin Waddell, what's up, sir? How you doing? You know, eh. How about yourself, Nick? <laughs> I got two doses of eh. Mm. Served piping hot. At least it's a, at least it's a, a holiday weekend. Yeah, yeah three-day weekend, right? Get, get that extra day to fucking strom, strom it out. Yeah, you get that redo if your weekend isn't isn't so great. You get another day to, to try again, right? Yeah. Are you going to be cooking out? What's going on tomorrow with you? I cooked out today. Well, I cooked in. I cooked out. What, what did you have? I made steaks. They came out magical. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to play golf. It's uh, going to do a little bit of celebrating, you know? That's different than your usual when you tell me... Uh, I'm gonna play Gorf. One of my favorites. I love Gorf. The old arcade games, right? Was it text based? No, it was. It was a, a eight bit, and it was a, you know arcade game, and it had the best digital voice. God, I was thinking of Zork. Oh, Zork, yeah. Gorf was the the game that if you left it unattended, it would talk. You'd be like Gorf. It would say that in the background. You'd hear it go Gorf, and it was delightful. <laughs> that'd, that'd be a great ringtone. Oh, I, it was my ringtone. You had it on my T-Mobile Sidekick. Mm. Go Earth. So you left it. Ha ha ha! Space Cadet. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I never played it. But I don't remember it. It was a Galaga clone, or before Galaga, it was a Galaxian clone. Yeah, and it had a really wow. it, had, it had a Tron cabinet kind of thing with the light lighted joystick. Did it have some kind of a mascot character that I'm like that I'm thinking of? Not really, no. Some main alien or something. I mean, yeah, there was a there was a creature on the cabinet, but I mean, honestly, the 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 real MVP was that voice. Who was is Gorf the bad guy? Who's Gorf? Gorf, maybe the bad guy, or maybe the bad guy's planet. Because that's rough. That's a rough name to try to pull off. You're trying to be intimidating. Everybody screaming, Gorf, he's coming. Well, but the way he said it, it was two syllables, and it rocked. Yeah, Gorf, Gorf. <laughs> yeah, well, we gotta. I got to find some artwork from that thing. I'm going to, you know what? I'll toss that into this podcast. I'll find that sound and I'll pop it into this shit. Oh man. That's what a genuine, it's a lovely Easter egg almost, I guess. Not even an Easter egg at this point. Just a Memorial Day egg. A little flavor, a little spice. Yeah. Memorial Day. What else is going on with you? 
Nothing, man. I'm just, you know, we, we're, in, we're in cahoots. We got shit. We almost saw a movie together. We will. Eventually. Go see. Uh, what are we going to see? Go see John Krasinski's new awesome film. You sound sarcastic. Too. No, I'm just, I was, here's what I don't like about uh, John Krasinski. Now, he, he's such a nice guy, I'm sure. And Be yourself. But every time, he's always talking about the movie theater is, he's one of those guys that will like, you know, they're trying to get people back in the theater, obviously. But he always says when he was a kid, the movie theater was his sanctuary. You know, did mm -hmm. you ever think of that when you're a kid going to yeah. the movies? Yes, I did. Is, is my sanctuary? Yeah. You and Krasinski, huh? Although I'd have to say, I don't feel so bad for one John Krasinski. Right. He's, he's got Emily Blunt waiting at his real sanctuary. That's true. He had a, a, he had, it was a hit TV show. He's become a monster director. He's, he's yeah. won. He won. He won life. No, he, he got to direct, to direct. And he also has, uh, he can just nudge the person next to him, ask the super talented actress to be in his film. Yeah. You know, luckily it was good. The first one. I don't know about the second one. No, that's why you see movies. But your boy's in it. Which one? Killian. Oh, boy. Killian M. Yeah. He, you know, he got nude in this one, this one too, because that's your requested. Well, you need the big screen. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't have the kind of TV at home to, for it to register. He said uh, in the uh, in the audition, Krasinski said, "I need you to um, take it way back to your Twenty Eight Days Later character." If yeah. you know if you know what I'm saying, I was uh, I was on Wikipedia. I'm talking bottomless. <laughs> I'm talking knocked out. I was watching. You know, I watched the Dark Knight movies a lot lately for some reason and he's and in why the, i just they were they were there you mean you watched you watched the all three of them i watched all three of them in row in a row on the during the pandemic and then for mm. some reason the hotels i've been staying at all have showtime anytime yeah a and the bat films were on there so i caught up again mm. and obviously killian's in that a lot and it got me searching Wikipedia, looked him up, wanted to find a little bit more about him. Yeah. He has a pet name for his penis. Did you hear this? I mean, I haven't heard it yet. There's a big deal on the set of Peaky Blinders. Yeah? They had all had pet names for their penis. It was a thing amongst the cast. Okay. And I mean, it's funny because he had a pet name for this little guy, which I thought was cute. But yeah, so... And, you know, Tom Hardy, and I don't remember all the other actors who were on the show, but it was a big deal. And it, it made Wikipedia. That's how big of a deal it was. So, whatever. This isn't a joke that you're setting up? He's got a pet name for his damn penis. I'm not what is it? Godurf. <laughs> I like how every time you go just long enough where I start to believe it. <laughs> it's like a fucking Ponzi scheme, these jokes. <laughs> I have to lull you in, give you a sense of security, throw you a few payments so you think it's on the up and up. <laughs> I hope he has a pet name for that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pets are small, so. Yeah. It's fucking solid. No, but that's it. That's it. You know. Mm -hmm. I'm just glad uh, we've completed our mission of 2021 in doing two films with POV Bird's birdhouse shots bird <laughs> with, with fake fake uh hands fake yes. arms going into we them. have we have <laughs> circled the market on that 
when I saw that scene in this, I I could not believe it. That we <laughs> <laughs> it almost looked exactly like the monkey shines uh, shot, which made me want to watch monkey shines again. Of course, yeah. I mean, guys, uh, let's not beat around the bush. It's a movie microscope. The show where we zoom in. We watch a film through hand battered eyes, powder ourselves until the milk bath consumes us till our milk teeth and eye teeth are both converged. We baptize each other in the oils of the saints. We turn roughshod into a charisma ball, watch film with a set of sad eyes and share with the likes of you. So if we were talking about sunshine cleaning, we're talking about the scene where Steve Zahn watches Caligula and has to clean up his own little crime scene, if you know what I mean. Talk about the little moments. All right, let's talk about it. Amy Adams. Steve's on. That's all I know. I know Emily, Steve's on. Emily, Emily Blunt, maybe. That's got to be before her time. No. It's one. Of, it's someone that's equally maybe, as great as Amy Adams. Maybe it is Emily Blunt. All I know is Steve's on. I never saw the film. That's a classic. You're probably right. I mean, Emily Blunt's probably she's been around. What was her big breakthrough? Is Devil Wears Prada? Yeah, that was definitely her big breakthrough. She was amazing, and then she peaked with the Adjustment Bureau. She wasn't sunshine cleaning her. Episode cleaning her. 309. Which one? Adjustment Bureau. <laughs> Worst titled movie of all time. Anthony Mackie in that. Yeah, is he just playing one of the hats? Maybe so. Yeah. And so was our the, the Mad Men guy, Tony Stark's dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy's good. John Slattery. Slattery, yeah. I've been watching Arrested Development, the, the fourth season, because I'd never caught it. And he's in it a little bit. He's pretty funny. Is that the bad season? There's four and five. I think a lot of people consider four confusing and five bad. Okay. I, I think four is pretty funny so far. Had Jeffrey uh, Tambor been trapped by the time the fourth came around, or was it the fifth? <laughs> so when the fifth season rolled around, and I think they were doing press for it, I think that's when all the stuff started coming out about how much of a piece of shit he is. Um, and then the coaster, his co-star sort of defending defended him, and then they stopped. Yeah, mm -hmm. not all his co-stars. Jessica Walter um, definitely had problems with him. Anyway, R.I.P. Uh, yeah, she's amazing. That's why I started watching it again because she's so. I was reminded how great she was. She's great. Maybe the funniest person on that show. Actually, let's. Uh, What's your relationship with uh, one cat's eye? You know, I was trying to think about this. I, I believe it was an HBO mainstay for a while. Is that correct? Are you spelling main like M-A-I-N-E? <laughs> hey, Stephen King. Um, I think I caught it in HBO and I was scared of it. Like I, I didn't know what to make of it. I was scared of the little troll that they showed in the trailer. But it was a, it was probably one, maybe my first anthology movie. This came after Creepshow. I wonder if I didn't see Creepshow until after this. Creepshow was a little like I was scared of Creepshow too when I was a kid, and Creepshow won. Are you are you uh, are you counting Misery as an anthology? No. What do you mean? An anthology. An Annie. And Annie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. This is one of those movies. I talk about this a lot on the show. The ones that you love, and then they fall out of favor. They they they're too uncool, or they're too basic, or they're too cheesy. Yeah. But then I revisit it after two decades, and it's a delight. I can't believe it. So. I was dreading this movie. The only thing I really remembered about this movie, I sort of remembered the smoking one, but I didn't remember the ending. I, you know, obviously once the ledge one started, I remembered that. And then I just remember the troll and Drew Barrymore. So I remember parts of it. I just didn't remember the stories and what happened. Um, I have to tell you, Nick, 
I was dreading dreading watching this. I really really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so a little a little behind super fun. A little yeah. inside baseball behind the scenes for the listeners. Sometimes Justin will get an email that either horrifies him or surprises. So if a movie's not available on uh, any of the streaming platforms and I see it on a deal, I'll just buy two copies of it and send him one. It's the thing. It's it's like it basically it's it's like the it's a saw puzzle. You know, he's forced to participate in it at that point. Yeah, it feels it's like saw. It's committed to ink. It actually downloading it from iTunes felt like saw. I could not figure out how to redeem that code. I went everywhere. I started. I fi- I finally figured it out. But um, I just I think it's like a fun movie. It's, it's certainly cheesy. I can see why it's kind of fallen out of you know people don't talk about. It. I can understand that. It just. It's not bad. It's like it's pretty fun to watch. It's silly, um, you know. Written by King, like this is an original screenplay by him. Well, it's based on three short stories from one of his books. Is it really? At uh, least no, no. I'm sorry. Two. The first two are short stories that he adapted, and the the troll stories new. So Quitters Inc. is a short story. I think and I the ledge. They're both watching. from I think either Night Shift or Skeleton. Or I think Night okay. Shift. Yeah. So these aren't. This wasn't an original. Like he based it on okay on short stories. And he also trivia said that he had written. Sometimes they come back for this, and then they, the producers liked it so much they gave it its own film. It's interesting. That's actually kind of an interesting movie. Not the sequel though, right? No. And then they make more than that. Probably it had like a it had like a franchise. Who was in the first one? I don't know. I know they 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 filmed they remade it as Night Watch. No, that's sometimes they pour come on back. <laughs> It, you know, it's like like the lead actor. I've never seen is, it. It's like in he's like the guy that was in the Prince of Darkness or something. It's that that kind of lead actor, you know, like somebody that is like a TV. Yeah, and it was kind of it felt like a TV movie. It does. That's not a movie that was released in cinemas, right? It, I don't. It I don't like think it was. Yeah, yeah. that's Simon and Simon, right? Jameson something is Jameson Parker. Yeah. So, did you expect us to find another movie microscope legend? Today, there are several legends in this movie. Okay, <laughs> now let, I'm just going to say the premise of this movie, the the glue of this movie, and the reason it's called Cat's Eye, is there's three separate stories here. But the common factor is there's a cat, like a hero cat, that you start the movie with, that figures into each of these stories. The same cat, and this cat gives a fantastic performance in this movie. <laughs> it is the best animal <laughs> performance I've ever seen. It is. Now, I read on this cat website called Cinema Cats. It was actually 12 different cats. And the reason they had to do it that way is because they feed the cats to get them to do something. Mm -hmm. And then once they get full, full, their day's done. You know, it's a wrap on puss. So they have to get the bring in the cat that's starving. (laughs) Carl Lewis Miller is the was in charge of the animal action in the film. And he nailed it. They had a very disconcerting fact about that. This guy. Uh oh. Said he's like some. He he psychologically links to the to the animals that he, in his care, or something. Now that's amazing, but it's also weird. Yeah. He's like Animal Man up in this. Yeah. Yeah. What if he like he's like Animal Man, but instead of using his powers to save people, he goes into movie making. See, I don't know who Animal Man. I know it's a DC comic. He is Animal Man has controls of the animals, Nick. Uh huh. And so, like, he'd be like, you know, getting a 
I don't know, a water buffalo to have a shining moment in a film instead of, you know, helping humanity. I'd like to see what would happen if you went to Tijuana. <sighs> Having a real psychological link with that horse. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so why don't you explain the the premise? Like, it's kind of weird, but they actually cut out the reason that Cat figures in. They, they decided to cut out the prologue, which is about why the cat is, you know, up to you know on a on a journey here on an adventure that we're following the producers cut that out the producers are stupid they fucked up i want to know yeah i want this footage hard <laughs> i hope we can find it because i want to see it i so don't what, really th- need to know I, i'm already on this cat side who has two names in this general and sebastian <laughs> <laughs> I, people name I, him uh, I don't know how he got general, by the way. Uh, I love but, it. But uh, he is, uh, I, I don't need, like I said, I don't need to know his backstory. I just want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. So what I want to talk about. Well, I mean, I think we kind of covered it. There's a cat and he shows up uh, throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he dovetails into some shenanigans, really. Cat tails. Three interwoven stories, it's very loosely interwoven, the cat being the connective tissue, and Drew Barrymore playing multiple roles weirdly. Yeah, it's a weird choice. But the result is uh, just a delightful little pastiche. Drew Barrymore top build in this. Yeah. But it made sure to say in order of appearance. We get that just in case any of the other adult stars would get uh offended you know but yeah drew barrymore up top well this was after firestarter mm-hmm. and et so she'd already kind of established herself as the little girl lost du jour as the 80s shirley temple right so before, we also before got, before it went horribly off the rails for her then we got james woods in this alan king 70s shirley temple james woods we got alan king robert hayes from the airplane series. Kenneth McMillan. Candy Clark in this. James Rebhorn. Oh, I love him. Oh, I was so happy to see him. And he has a goofy ass role in this. Goofy ass role. <laughs> and he loves it. He does. Yeah. Alan King had some stuff in this that's incredible. Yeah. I was so surprised that he was mm-hmm. this, that, that he was uh going absolutely. Did you grow up watching the police in this? Did you grow up watching Inside the Comedy Mind? No, I don't know what that is. He had a, I think it was on HBO. It was a half hour show, late late night show on HBO, maybe an hour, where he would sit down with a comedian and just talk comedy. And it was, you know, obviously Alan King is a, he's from yesteryear, he's from the 60s and all that. So the guys he would have on weren't, weren't always rock stars. Right. But every once in a while, he'd have a Carlin or he'd, he'd have somebody like that. And it was, it was, I was really young when it came out and I would sit through it and I didn't get a lot of what they were talking about because I was too young, mm-hmm. but it just felt like a, an audience with greatness a lot of the time. And it stuck with me because you, stuck, you well, stuck through it because you're such a huge Alan King stan as a young man. Well, I was a huge comedy fan as a young man mm-hmm. and, and I grew to love Alan King. And when he, I didn't do the research on him as a person, so I knew he was tangentially involved in comedy. I didn't realize he was. A big deal, but then when Scorsese cast him in Casino, mm-hmm. it was revelatory. 
Yeah. And then of course, realizing that he was in this before that, and that I had seen him before and did not give him his due credit for his work here. Can I ask you a quick question? Sure. How's this COVID been? Uh, well, I got some news. I know. I don't know. I didn't look. I didn't look up. I imagine he, he long is, since passed. He is super rigmarole. What happened? Oh, he just died, man. He was old. Died of something. He died not long. I would say he probably died over over ten years ago. Yeah, James Woods, R.I.P. <laughs> the good James Woods. Got, you got James Naughton in this. James Woods got body snatched. James Naughton playing the dad in this, right? Is he yeah. Rumors dad? He's actually great. His little his performances. He plays this very kind and caring dad. Yeah. Yep. Who else? Uh, Who else we got? We got Charles. And he's, little, and he's a little suspect. I have to say about one thing. What's that? He kind of believes her about the monster a little too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's to make the mom look bad, but like, it's a suspect to me that. Like the mom's skeptical, she doesn't believe it. I, I'm on board with her. He believes it, even though there is a monster. I'm still thinking that's it's just suspect to me. Well, there's a reason because if Stephen King, if you saw this in the trivia, Stephen King had written a prequel movie called Hermit Crab's Eye Stalk, mm-hmm. and it was about the father as a child was menaced by a troll, and there was a hermit crab who had interwoven into stories. <laughs> Did not get the green light. But they had you know, already they'd already cast uh, a young Stephen Shripa as the young James Naughton. They did have uh, rehearsals. I know about this. Oh, okay. And the one bit of trivia is they did have 12 different her- hermit crabs that they rotated. <laughs> they only had one, so it was just a rehearsal. What, that? what does that mean? They only Sorry. did it once, so it, wasn't, it was just a rehearsal. <laughs> Zoom in. Legendary directed by, directed by, directed by Louis Teague of Alligator and Cujo. Um, yeah, Cujo right before this, he kept in King World. Yeah, Jack Cardiff, DP, legendary DP, Jack Cardiff, Alan Silvestri music, trying the old digital tinklers. Yeah, you got the Casio keyboard out for this, <laughs> you know? Hey, yeah, probably Casio had, tone, probably had a Kurzweil as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Who else is in this so. movie though? You Charles Dutton in an early role. Yeah, so Charles Dutton shows up. Oh, Mike, Mike Starr, did you mention him? No, I didn't. Mike Starr in this, but uh, Charles Dutton showing up with hair. Which part, where was he? Which segment? He was with, he's Mike Starr's partner That's right. in this. And uh, they play two heavy heavies that kind of uh, kidnap Robert Hayes' character. Was this before or after his prison stint? You know, I wonder if it was before. Because when, when he got famous, he was super bald. So I wonder if he went bald in prison. Did he? He murdered a guy, right? I think he did. Yeah, I'm not too sh- not too aware of his background. Rest in peace. No, he's still around. Murdered by an actor who was in Cat's Eye. <laughs> Sucks. Would it have been fine if it was a different movie? Give me one. Of the, if you're gonna murder me, give me one of the classics. You know. So no, he 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 was in jail in the '60s. Was he? He slaughtered a man. And was therefore charged with manslaughter. And what 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 was the circumstances? There was a robbery. Things had, he, he didn't go well. He killed the guy. And he was robbing them. Yep. Wow, he got out, huh? He then and he gets to be an alien three. Rock sitting on a cloud, murdered. <laughs> so what's going down on Earth? Oh, my murderer 
is in Alien 3. <laughs> oh, and Mimic? Great. He's having a good time. Oh, he has his own TV show called Rock, and he's the beloved patriarch. Meanwhile, Don't mind me. I'm just murdered. My family is destitute. My grave got kicked over. Then you, I, feel, then you feel horrible because you kind of like Mimic. You're like, oh, yeah, it's a tough call. You bad. Roaches and stuff in his grave, and there's roaches on the screen. Mimic getting paid. Yeah, so that's a rough one. I have to read more about that before a kid, a kid around a little too hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So maybe it is awful, but he did get let out, and they don't just let anybody out, Nick. Okay. They committed a crime. You, you, it has to be. You know, they don't just let, like, for example, Salva out. Right. After how much? Like eight months. <laughs> he did the time. That was really cool, Mr. Salva. That you only requested. Uh, us to send you highlights and Ranger Rick magazines to your cell. It's very strange. So another thing about this movie, it goes heavy on the Stephen King references. Uh, much like Castle Rock, the show on Hulu, mm-hmm. they'll do that kind of thing too. This movie is trotting out Stephen King Easter eggs for everyone to to suckle on. Yeah. Is it, if, is it an Easter egg if it's blatantly obvious? That's what I was wondering. Because they have a at the beginning of the movie, a dog chases uh, our hero cat, and it's obviously Cujo. It's a reference to Cujo. And chases the cat in front of or by a car that is Christine. Now, that would be cool, except then they do a close-up on Christine's bumper. It says, the bumper sticker says, watch out for me. I am pure evil. I am Christine. Yeah. That's the bumper sticker. It's subtle. Did they Were, were they worried that people wouldn't catch the reference? Yeah. And then, and then the shit yeah. weasel is reading a newspaper at a corner cafe. Mm-hmm. You saw that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Randall Flag is is eating a donut. But there's, you know, they play the dead zone in this. Put it yeah. from the dead zone. She reads yeah. Pet Cemetery. She, yeah. There's, you know, Stephen King. I don't know. Was he writing in his own Easter eggs? Or yeah, is that and, little, and they make and and a character comments on how shitty the writing is in the dead zone. Who writes this shit? That would be. James Woods. James Woods says that. James Woods, good performer, good actor. Gigantic pile of shit in real life, but he and and kind of a known asshole before even even current day. Like he was kind of wasn't he just kind of an abusive piece of shit. But he was known as a member of Hollywood's hung jury, so that was good. Yeah, but he's floating that info. You think he's putting out those news blasts by himself? He guys voice calling in the press. I heard James Woods has a big gigantic dick. <laughs> genre legend, you know, Videodrome, you know, obviously John Carpenter's Vampires, which I which I still I still think is not that great of a performance. It's a bad movie, and he doesn't make it that much better. Yeah, I love you know, and and he is very good in this movie. It makes me super sad because it's so hard to watch him, knowing what a piece of asshole he is. Yeah, so talk about the first segment here. Set up the premise. So it's based on the short story Quitters Incorporated. It's a story about a man who really wants to quit smoking, and he is recommended by a friend of a firm that would help him with his problem. And Alan King is the guy in charge of this firm, and uh, they have some pretty extreme practices when it comes to helping you kick the habit. And that's what we experience with James Woods is just how wicked their techniques are. All right, first of all, he's hired these people. I'm sure there's money that changed hands. Right. It doesn't seem like it was. Uh, I, I I call in question the uh, legitimacy of this business. Sounds like one of your businesses. <laughs> <laughs> you come up with at the end of the show. <laughs> Sounds exactly like one. But yeah, and like he goes there to get help for 
smoking and they basically this is how the cat figures in there's a electrified room with a metal floor and they zap the cat they show him they go they, they start zapping the cat yeah and it's jumping everywhere sparks flying how, how did the, how did they lure that cat with food there's no room it's not it's scared to death well the reason the cat was yeah no. well the, the the reason the cat's in there is this guy caught the cat at the beginning of the movie because it was having a vision it was having a conversation with a mannequin yeah and drew barrymore's uh, apparition like uh, it was at her ghostly like carrie fisher like um, i wrote she reminds me of princess Leia 100 yeah. percent in this movie and she's like you know i need your help find me and so the cat's listening and then he gets nabbed by this uh henchman of the quitters incorporated this employee thrown into this room and so yeah so basically the, the they tell james woods if you start if you ever smoke again if you you know we're gonna have people watch you for a month if you smoke one time we're gonna get your wife and throw her in here and zap her and uh woods can't believe it he invited the devil into his life do you remember the rest of the things they tell him they say that then they would next time they would do that to his daughter and then the third thing if he smoked again they'd rape his wife yeah is that then, right yeah and then the third one they said and there's the, the third one is that one and, he and then the that, fourth one is you're you know we'll, 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 we'll kill you oh uh, no i was i was hoping it was you know it's like we're gonna you know cancel your cable subscription or something yeah Escal escalate it there's a guy that they have specifically for raping people's spouses that, that they employ there. Yeah. So James Woods takes it seriously and he quits smoking. End, but end of story. He's bummed, out. he's bummed out. He's agitated. He's angry. Um, By the way, mm -hmm. uh, do you like the, the action sequence between Alan King and, and the cigarettes on his desk? It's incredible. So <laughs> Alan King, he gets James Woods in his, his wood paneled office and he, he does a Matt Lauer, presses a button, and he locks James Woods in his office. Yeah. And then he um, he dumps, like, James Woods has a cigarette pack, a pack of cigarettes, and he dumps it all over his desk, and he just starts Hulk smashing the cigarettes. <laughs> it makes screaming. a crazy noise, yeah. It's... <laughs> and he ha he hates cigarettes so much, mm -hmm. and that, that throws him for a loop. But then, then they start electrifying the cat, then that really, he knows it's it's serious. What, ha what unfolds in the story? He wakes up in the middle of the night one night. His wife's sleeping next to him, completely unraped. And he goes downstairs, and he's fumbling around looking for a cigarette in his office. And he hears a sound. He finds right one. He's about to light it. Right. Right it. as yeah. he's about to light that little candy man, here's a sound. And in his closet is a, is a, is a, a bunch of, you know, there's a pair of boots in there. And he grabs an umbrella, and he smashes it. And he hears like a grunt. Yeah. <laughs> And he's freaking out. He's talking to it, and he, you know, and then you know, he, I think he learns his lesson. He goes, well, goes, so he, he, yeah, he opens the closet door and stabs in there, and here's a grunt, which he's not expecting. And he looks and he sees these wet pair of boots, and he starts to freak out. And he goes, look, I didn't, because I didn't touch the cigarette, I didn't light it, and he just kind of skulks back to his bedroom. And the next morning, he investigates. There's no boots in the closet, but there's footprints. Well, the funny thing is, because I just wanted my golf clubs. So he, his wife yeah, wakes up the next day, and the golf clubs are next to the bed, ridiculously. <laughs> yeah, he tells the guy, I just want my golf clubs. But the clubs funny thing is, the next day, yeah, they show this closet and they show where the, the footprints where mm -hmm. the boots were. But you look at the closet, that person would have had to be three feet tall mm -hmm. to have fit. Yeah, it's a troll. <laughs> it's the end of the movie. But it's just, it's just so funny. Like, um, <clears throat> 
So then there's another sequence where then he goes to pick up his daughter, who played by Drew Barrymore, at this uh, St. Stephen's School. Another by the way, place. before that, though, there's a scene where he what? scares himself in the mirror that is is so funny. Oh, yeah. It reminded me of, like, Evil Dead. The there's Evil a little Dead. bit of Evil Dead, too, in the way the troll talks. Mm. By the way, it's total oh, Stephen, so, total Stephen King yeah. line. Well, he gets chastised for using his left tit as a coaster. I just was reading. That's what yeah. I was about to say. And then he has this exasperated line where his wife, Cindy is trying to like understand like what he's doing what it, why he's doing it. and he says Cindy I'm just trying to get some ice cream here okay like, <laughs> exasperated as he gets ice cream which is incredible but mm -hmm. um scared his own reflection anyway he goes to pick up his daughter he has a present for her Nick the and best the best 80s, present a mid 80s present what is it a cabbage patch individual cabbage patch kid the fad like the year or two year long fad in the mid eighties. And they seized on it in this movie. They brought it in to this world to make it seem more real. Have you been to Babyland general? I have not. It's about an hour and a half from my house. If you'd like mm -hmm. to go sometime, they still sell cabbage patch kids. there. So, cabbage patch kids were invented in Helen, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And there, there is uh, up in the mountains. There's this, this, it's a theme, not a theme park, but it's a, Cabbage Patch Museum, and it's the founding place, and it's still fucking there. Do you, you think could, you can have your own made there, if I remember correctly? Do you think the reason that because it was the hot hot item, and you know people were having battles in stores to get the last one? Do you think the reason that it fizzled out is because every kid got one, or is it because everybody realized that they were so ugly? They were so scary looking, and the funny thing is, is I remember they used to have these knockoffs. Mm -hmm. That you go, uh, we go to New York, and they'd they'd have knockoffs of Transformers and knockoffs of all this shit in the shit on the street vendors and all that. Mm -hmm. And the, the the what the the skin of the Cabbage Patch dolls was very close to a pantyhose. So these people had made these knockoff Cabbage Patch kids and used. Oh, I remember them. I remember used, them and used yeah. pantyhose. Yeah, they look like the Cabbage Patch kids completely, right? Like they look. Well, they were a little darker and a little rough yeah. around the edges, but, but they yeah. still had the same kind of weird face, right? Yeah, like, the stapled button, stapled distress. It's so funny the the origins of the Cabbage Patch kids, or they were born in like a Cabbage Patch, like a like like cabbages. They right? would emerge from like a lettuce, like a head of yeah. lettuce. Yeah, like a, yeah, and it's and they would get raked into and, and then put in boxes and given to kids. I guess that's the. That yeah. the process, and then they had, they had a unique first and middle name, right? And so this one's is a little tip of the hat, yep. old Marilyn Monroe, Norma Jean. It's a little product placement in here, but you know the thing that made fun of this uh, Cabbage Patch Kids, the Garbage Pail Kids, has outlasted Cabbage Patch Kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah those, and, and Sour Patch relevant. Kids as well. That's true. Yeah. I just wonder. We ha I want to look up how rich those people are. Zan Xavier, the guy Xavier something is the creator's name. God, do you remember? Yeah, and he didn't he have the the his signature on their ass. He absolutely did. <laughs> oh my God. I have an idea, great idea for kids. So I'm gonna this doll. I'm gonna sign the doll's ass with my with my real signature. Cabbage Patch Kids are like a band because they are still happening xavier roberts was the dude <laughs> um is he still killing it i don't know if he continues to thrive but it's still out there controversies wait is that julia's dad she's from georgia but no oh my god he's 65 he must have been when he created it, he must have been um 
like in his 20s. It's my hero. It's my mentor. I think it'd be great. You get arrested for cannibalism and uh, you win the case because you thought they were Cabbage Patch Kids and you're vegan. You know? Yeah. Perfectly cool. He says a net worth of 50 million, by the way. I wonder if we can get something going like that. I think it's too late for us. It's never too late. One of our businesses is going to catch on. Cross my fingers. There's a lot of bankruptcies in the in the timeline of Cabbage Patch Kids. <laughs> um, so student James Woods is at a party, and he is still clean. He hasn't He's, smoked. He hasn't smoked. He's chewing gum. And what people are people party? are smoking insanely at this party. Everybody's smoking in his face. Cigars, cigarettes, everything. It's what happens? It goes great. It starts to turn into a little bit of a nightmare for the James Woods to show how much he is craving a cigarette. What do they do? They start to show like hallucinations he's having, visions he's having. I hope of, they're not. I hope they're not hallucinations <laughs> of gigantic cigarette boxes walking around. The painting Alan, smoking is the best. <laughs> Alan King coming down the stairs, lip syncing to a <laughs> cover of Every Breath You Take. Yep. James Rebhorn with by the police with millions of cigars. Yes, Rebhorn smoking has smoke coming out of both ears. Everybody's got like there's cigarettes all over the floor. James Woods is losing it. He can't take it anymore. And what happens? He leaves. Yeah, he goes home, and that's the end of the movie. No, the end of the show. <laughs> no, he gets into traffic, and then he he sneaks a cigarette. Yeah, well, the thing is, he, first of all, he gets into traffic, and he's he's at the same bridge that they filmed the maximum overdrive drawbridge scene. Are you serious? Yeah, same exact bridge in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is where De Laurentiis the studios were. Um, and there's a semi behind him, and a part of me was hoping that we could have seen the Orinco logo on that truck, because that would have been so cool if the, another cameo, the Gage Creed smashing truck, showed up in this movie. <laughs> but no, so but but our boy Tony Manafo, who plays the henchman of Junk, I believe his name is, the henchman of Alan King, is in the car next to him. And it's so funny. They show this scene where this guy's in this convertible kind of smooch with a lady and you can see the back of his. Yeah. And it's so obviously that guy, you remember him from like four scenes previous, but yeah, Jimmy Woods, he thinks he's got it going. Woods thinks the coast is clear. He looks behind him. He does this funny thing. He looks behind him, looks to the side to side, and then he gets out of the car and looks on the roof <laughs> of his car. I think he's, I think he's looking the window. I think he's looking up at the semi behind him to see the driver of the semi. I think you look at that again. He's he's looking to see if someone's on the roof. I don't need an excuse to watch this movie again. And um, then he, because he find what happens is he finds a pack of cigarettes or at least one cigarette in his glove compartment, and he gives it a little bit of a light, and the camera shows smoke coming uh, out like from below the car, like he's hiding below right. the dash. Right. And then he looks up, and that guy's staring right at him. And he races home, but he is not in time. He receives a call wife. from from Alan King, and he goes to uh, to help to, to to get to watch his wife's hair stick up as she is electrocuted in that room. It's a warning. She, she gets zapped, but she doesn't get hurt that much. It's a warning to James Woods. He that. is firing. They're firing all sorts of electrodes in there, and the, the great this is great. So he he uh, the guy pulls has a gun, and they have a little skirmish, mm -hmm. uh, and and Alan King's trying to get the guy to cool it and trying to get James Woods to cool it. But he nails that guy. Do you, do you remember what that guy says when he gets mm -mm. when he gets smashed? Ah, mm -mm. oh, fiddly sticks. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is, this guy, the cat, is escapes at this point, or something, and he's worried about the cat. He's trying to get the cat instead of James Woods, and Alan King admonishes him. Um, 
Stop fiddly sticks. <laughs> That's a king line. So good. Sure. But then it's great because he learns his lesson. We don't have to worry about her getting raped or the kid getting electrocuted because it, it flashes forward in time. And he and Alan King could not be better buddies and Tony Manafo. He well, has you know, quit smoking. about is, yeah, he has quit smoking. But one thing I thought about is like, you know, it did not occur to James Woods to maybe put a call into the police. You know what I'm saying? Like, once stuff starts happening, or at least a cover band. But you know, like, hey, these get this business kidnapped my wife and is electrocuting her. Maybe dial nine one one. And then Doesn't the operator to. says, uh, well, "Did you quit smoking?" And then shut the fuck up, James Woods. <laughs> I like quit as a corporator. Seems incorporated seems to be a very powerful company. I love him. Oh, and he gets um, uh, whenever he's fumbling for the cat. This guy uh, junk. Alan King says, "Forget the cat, you hemorrhoid." Yeah, hemorrhoid. Of course he does. There's a nice little capper to that scene, though. He's trying to lose weight because he's smoking, although James Woods is far, like not, not a big man. Uh, he gained a little bit of weight since uh, he gained some pounds. They got a, a, a typical King capper to the story, which you'll have to, I guess, watch the episode to find out. Yeah, pretty, pretty great. Threatening to cut his, cut his wife's little finger off if he gains more than 10 pounds. And James Woods laughs it off like a nightmare didn't just happen to him. <laughs> like these guys were just fucking around, you know? He's like, I'm pretty tight with you guys. Can I meet the rapist now? I just want to see. Uh, next, they, they, we cut back to the cat who's on the boardwalk. And he's eating. And, he, and there, a bunch of homeless men are feeding him uh, hot dogs. Yeah. A hot dog and with cream cheese. I couldn't no, believe it. Nick, don't don't right. get me excited. Don't get me excited. Um, Did you notice how much they were charging for that tiny TV in the window? There's this window display where these TVs are for sale, and there's this tiny TV. It's $449 for this wow. little little guy. Yeah. The world's changed. That's when the Princess Leia Barrymore moment happens. No, the, that moment happens at the very beginning. No, no, that's the, another... mannequin, the mannequin. But the, the second one is where it's more like Leia, where she's like... Oh, you think so? Yeah. Yeah, she shows up on the TV or something, or yeah. some pose over the TV. Yeah, the cat... That, that's what the, the beginning of this movie must have explained that link between her and him, the cat. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we cut to Vegas for the next scene. Atlantic city. Oh, is it Atlantic city? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause they do put up the, they do put up the, um, um yeah, the locations. You, yeah. Location. I guess the reason I thought it was Vegas, cause they say the golden nugget in it, but of course the golden nugget isn't just one casino. Yeah. So they go to the Atlantic city and what's happening. Well, People are gambling. Yep. They've been to Atlantic City? Yep. Sucks. I've never been there. Although I've heard it's a lot better now. Mm-hmm. Burt Lancaster movie, right? I'm not sure. You have a good friend that worked in Atlantic City for a while. Pat? Pat? Oh, yeah. He was a dealer. Craft I thought, dealer? Uh, for a second, I thought you were talking about the character from The Boy. Montgum? So the, there's a, these one of the main characters here. Who This guy is... What's this guy's name? Actor, he's in Dune. Robert Hayes. Oh, Kevin McMillan. All right, so yeah, so Kevin McMillan was in Dune, and he is no longer a, a, a living man. He's not. He is a. He's the villain of this piece, and he's introduced at the beginning, betting a a friend of his whether or not the cat, our hero cat, can make it across the busy street to them. Right. And uh, McMillan, Kevin McMillan's character, is that his name? Kevin. Um, Kenneth. Uh, Bets the cat can make it, and his friends like and his, his friend's girlfriend, uh, betting that the cat's going to perish. 
They bet two two grand on this. Yeah, and that's this is after we. I think this is after we find out that there's some sort of thing happening that McMillan's and his cronies are working on relating to a tennis pro and all that. We don't know what that necessarily is yet. Yeah, he's more, this guy's kind of giving orders to somebody to find to find somebody as this bet's happening. Yeah, and the cat makes the cross the street, and then this bad guy, you know, takes the cat into his arms. You know, it's like, hey, little sweetie, and takes it back to his um his penthouse suite. Right. And uh, this and this episode reminds me a little bit of the Ted Danson creep show. Yeah. Well, he the, the Robert Hayes reminds me of Ted Danson a little bit. Uh, that is an insult to Ted Danson. Well, because because the because the, the Ted Danson was having an affair with Leslie Nielsen's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. How'd that work out for Leslie Nielsen in the end? How's it work out for Kenneth McMillan in this? It's also reminded me a little bit of Four Rooms, this movie. I don't remember. I remember there was a body in a mattress. That's all I remember with that whole movie. Later, later with the, you know, Rodriguez Tarantino. Who else was in, Who else was behind those stories? Allison Anders or was Allison it? Allison Anders, yeah. There's one more. Uh, there are four or is there only three? Robert Rodriguez, Tarantino. Maybe there was four because it's Four Rooms. Yeah, I wonder who. And then somebody, didn't somebody also do like the connective I think, tissue? I think it was Caratop. Yeah, but yeah. So this the, they're in this uh, penthouse, and we discover what's going on because Robert Hayes has got his dame with him, and they are trying to cut out of town. He's trying to send her on a plane so he could get some money out, and they could get together because they're in love. Is it a bus or a train? It's not a plane, right? That's some object, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we f- we find out that he and is yeah having a tryst with the the do- the wife of Kenneth McMillan's character. But alas, Charles Dutton and uh, Mike, Mike Starr Star. have uh, other plans for Robert Hayes. Yeah, they park behind his car. He gets to his car. They're pretending to work on, like, they jack up the car and they kidnap Robert Hayes and take him back. Well, to, they, he gets gut, he hit in the gut with a tire. Yeah, he gets he gets thrown in the trunk or something. He gets apprehended and taken back to headquarters. He's sad to find out that he won't be reuniting with his his loved one. His girlfriend. Yeah. She's been decapitated. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Way to jump the gun. We don't oh, find out she's decapitated. That's right. You're right. You're so right. I forgot. Okay. <laughs> just delete that part. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so you take it back to HQ and they're like, look, we know you're sleeping with my wife. We know you're a tennis pro. You're a piece of shit. So we planted drugs in your car and you're going to be going to prison or if you don't want that path, you can walk the outskirts of this building, this high up building, you know, like what the ledge, if you make it all the way around, um, you'll get the money, you'll get the girl. Yeah. You'll get your freedom. Right. And so Robert Hayes decides to take the ledge. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's it's unfortunate because they chose to not film this on a real ledge with a real street beneath. So there are a lot of shots where model vehicles are moving around underneath Robert Hayes, but it's okay. I mean, it looks like a like a set, obviously, but I think it's pretty effective. I remember when this movie came out. I think this is, I think this one was the best reviewed segment of the three. Um, because I remember, I remember the Siskel and Ebert episode, and I think that they kind of liked it, or at least Ebert liked it. 
I don't know why I remember that, but it's, I think you talked about this. It's the third best of the three. Really, you think so? Yeah, I kind of like it. I, I don't. I like all of them. I, I guess in a way, I think the third one is the weakest, but I still like it. The third one is the is the is on rails. It's it's a one act thing, but it's got a lot of memorable shit in it. So the third one is yeah, I'd say it's like kind of the least inventive, but then it has an amazing monster. <laughs> so. <laughs> And the monster is like the to me is almost a hero in this movie. Yeah, it's, it's that's how great the monster is. So um, he's on this ledge, right? And McMillan has basically pulled a jigsaw where every window or every opportunity he could fuck fuck with him, he's gonna yells at him. He, he has a bugle. Him, <laughs> he has a bugle horn, and then he like sprays him with water at one point. But that's not the only thing that's getting in his way. The elements. There's right. wind, right. and there's a very stubborn pigeon. Yes. That very uh, unexpectedly and unrealistically just pecks at his feet. Doesn't <laughs> for go some away. reason that scene bothered me the most when I was young, the bloody, the bloody sock where the thing was pecking at him. Yeah. By the way, do you remember what he calls the bird? Yeah, I think I might've written it down. Um, <laughs> no, I guess he says, no, did he call it something about a pecker? He calls it a flying shit house. Yeah, which I love. I did write it down. But there's a scene where Robert Hayes is almost, he's like, his arms are waving and he's flailing and he's leaning back like he's going to fall. And you could see the device holding him to the to the ledge in that moment. A little zoom. Oh, I didn't see that. It's like a little little wire holding his body to the thing. So they didn't. Every time that he does that, he does that thing where he goes, starts to lean back and he's waving his arms. Like, it's a, as soon as you're doing that, it's over for you. You're, you're falling, right? I mean. Yeah. Uh, but he. It reminded me of Free Solo. I haven't seen it. Did you think that the movie is the original Free Solo with that Alex guy? <laughs> I think it maybe. I mean, do you think, do you think he's? Do you think that? I think his name is Alex Hanold or something. I don't know how to say his last name. You think he was inspired by Cat's Eye? That'd be great. Yeah, my mentor, the one of the best Free Solos, fictional Free Solos of all time, <laughs> has to be Robert Hayes and Cat's Eye. But yeah, like, that, did you see Sam Worthington's Man on a Ledge? No. That bird is, it really is pecking and it pecking his beige shot. He has beige socks on. Yeah. And then he get, they get all Kurt Schillinged. But the uh, real bird, that bird is like also a good actor. Oh, this film is a, a host of uh, miraculous animal performers. <laughs> that pigeon is, uh, I don't know if you saw the in memoriam segment for animals at the Oscars this year, <laughs> but he just died. I, I, I hate the fact that every animal in this is dead. All 12 cats that they use dead. It sucks, man. How long do pigeons last? I don't know, man. They, they not when not when I'm around. I might be um <laughs> I might be wrong, but I've heard 80 years. Is that correct? It'd be funny if I type pigeon lifespan and it just cuts it goes to Dave Mamet's webpage. <laughs> six six years in the wild. In what, captivity. Wait, in, in captivity, fifteen. Really? So I thought it'd go the other way. That's why they're always trying to get captured. Right. Yeah. It's like they're fountain of youth. Getting yeah. captured. Getting in the, the net. That's a that's like the opposite of being a person, right? Yeah. Go to jail and it cuts your life down, man. You start to sweat out. Yeah, everybody's talking about. It. So you throw them in the zoo, they're they're doing great. Yeah, so that pigeon was a was a carrier pigeon. They when it showed up at the set with a little note on its toes. Yeah. Opened it up, says, Bring me to drum ghoul. 
That bugle scene is wonderful, though. He honks the bugle at him, then it gets tossed to the streets below. And there's there's an actual sad little death scene for that bugle. There is. It's insane. And they do the same thing. It's a foreshadows yeah. the villain's death. But the best is it's they have a, a bugle <laughs> against a projection falling. <laughs> Like yeah, like, there was a day at the effects house where they were doing ma- blue screen of a bugle, and it falls with such an unsatisfying crash at the end where it just kind of honks, <laughs> and then it does it doesn't honk at the or just no it, it doesn't no, it, it does make a it does make a little honk when it hits it does it make yeah. a second honk later it does, which is ridiculous. Uh, disagree. Oh, it's amazing. Robert Hayes experiences all these little challenges and tribulations on his way around. Mm-hmm. And Kenneth McMillan is is there trying to sabotage whenever he can. But at the same time, he's a man of honor to some extent. And as Robert Hayes starts to reach the end of the uh, the rope, he goes and starts getting the materials together for Robert Hayes's Sam. Yeah. Award. Yeah. Because these yeah. guys are going to, they're not, he never welched on a bet in his life, he says. So Robert Hayes has made it fair and square back to the, all the way around the building, made it back to the penthouse suite. He's gonna I thought, get I thought it'd been weird if he climbed over the ledge, made it, and then he died of like natural causes right there. Um, but so then, so there's a duffel bag with the head of his lady. Unfortunately, McMillan reunite him with his girlfriend. He, yeah, he gets he, he's rich, he's mm-hmm. free. But what happens is he's in sins when he finds out they've cut off the head of his lover, whatever. And so he turns the tables on one Kenneth McMillan. He shoots, he shoots his guard. He, he, why Russell, is he? Why is he able to do this? The cat. Yeah, the cat interrupts. The cat does this thing. There is an amazing moment, though. So yeah, the cat trips the guy with the gun. Robert Hayes shoots him twice, and then he has Kenneth McMillan at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. Cat escapes, goes on to the next segment. But um, Kenneth McMillan is on the ground by a coffee table, and he's at gunpoint, and Robert Hayes is formulating his comeuppance and there's a an issue of penthouse starts casually flipping he through starts, penthouse as he's held at gunpoint it's one of my favorite moments in the movie and he's like saying i'll give you he goes from two two hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars to two million dollars and then back to a hundred thousand does he no I was then he i think on the sledge he's like at, he's like at five million so robert hayes is going to make him do the same thing he does go around the ledge how did that work out? And then, and then, he, if he would have just listened to Hayes's demands, all he wanted was the rest of her body pieces. <laughs> you th- I bet they. Were, I bet as he was falling to his death, he regretted not cutting off Robert Hayes's head instead <laughs> of uh, fucking around and finding out. You know? Yeah. He was, there's a scene where he's rummaging through his closet for things to torture Robert Hayes with. He's like, maybe a bugle was not enough. Maybe I should have gone for the sledgehammer. I mean, but- no one. If you're gonna murder your wife. And you have bodies on your hand. Don't play a game, you know. I mean, first of all, don't murder your wife. But these guys are horrible. Just kill them both. But instead, he messed around. And guess who shows back up to greet McMillan on the ledge? Yeah, the pecky, the pecky pigeon. Right, the flying shit house. And he starts pecking at his little ankles, and then uh, he Kenneth, uh, whatever. What's his name in the movie? What's the bad guy's name? He has a. Did they ever say it? Yeah, but I don't remember. He kicks at the bird, and it does not work for him. Late, you know, earlier Robert Hayes actually did get a kick in that bird. He did kick it. Yeah, it's when he calls him a flying shit house. But this leads to his death. He falls, and what I like about that scene, they show they follow him as he's falling, and he does this thing with his his body and his face. It's like he's trying to avoid the ground as it's coming at him. 
<laughs> like he's trying to dodge the ground, which I think is a pretty great way to play that. Well, there's all they also rotoscoped his silhouette when he first falls off the building. Yeah. It's this an obviously matte painted like rotoscope type of thing where his body's flailing as it falls, and it's such a a piece of that era that I love so much that's gone forever. That fire yeah, and he, ice kind of thing. Oh, it's so great. He really Pratt falls off of that thing too. I mean, he's just there's no chance of recovery. He falls so <laughs> way out. It's almost like he jumps off the ledge. <laughs> as soon as he begins falling, he's like, I'm gonna really fall. I thought it'd be great if they, they show him flailing on his way down and they cut and they cut to his feet and the bird is flying next to his ankle, eating continuing to peck as he falls, like the insult to injury. Yeah, so he he's done, but what's the final well, first of all, who's watching when he makes impact? Cat? Sebastian. Yeah. The cat, yeah. And then he hits the bugle, of course. And they hit they leave that segment with a honk from the bugle. Yeah. Which is pretty hilarious. Yeah. Um and then they cut cat travels to Wilmington. Wilmington. And there's a a family out in what Washington Car, I think. Drew Barrymore and her dad. Well, we so have first. We have a POV of our of our of our friend, the creature. Oh, that's what happens. Yeah, the, we get goblin cam or troll cam. Yeah, and then the cat shows up on the back of a truck, and you hear him like, "It's right, the cat's traveling." He's fucking vagabond. It's a, it's a journey of Caddy Gan. <laughs> but then the goblin, yeah, he's like they do this like Sam Raimi Evil Dead Two cam for this troll. And he's just, it's his POV, and he's hes chittering away. You hear his little, like, talking to himself. He's so thrilled to be, uh, <laughs> to be uh, scurrying through the woods and into this house. He's so thrilled to get a chance to suck Drew Barrymore's life essence. Yeah, he sees her, he sizes her up, and he's like, ooh. And then he goes into the house, and the cat follows him in there. But the troll's so good, no one sees the troll, but they see the cat. And it becomes, that becomes a big dramatic thing between the mom and the daughter, the daughter wants to keep this stray cat, and the mom does not. Um, and uh, she, they throw it out of the house, right? But the cat's just really there to try to protect Drew Barrymore from this vicious, and, and sized monster. Inexplicably names the cat General. So you don't give any explanation, right? Right. And it's a it's a great tabby, same as my my Oz. Looks just like him. Let's talk a little bit about this monster. We don't. Do we? When do we see it? Like pretty quickly. He yeah. uh, he is a he's a hero. He uh, the, that first night he comes out and he's doing his deeds. He's out there making it count. Lives inside the wall, which he magically opens. Of course, and zips back up when he really leaves. Yeah, uh, waits for Drew Barrymore, who's already terrified of of monsters, just like any little kid. And he waits for her to sleep, and he does his little cute tore through her room. Her, everything's gigantic to him because he's so small. But his, his size sort of changes depending on whether it's a puppet or an, a man in a suit. You, yeah, his size does a little change. doesn't bother me. But talk about his, his face and then his outfit a little bit. Well, he's got a, like a little jester's hat with bells on it, which is the cutest thing. I don't understand that choice and it's amazing. Yeah. They gave him a jester's outfit. Yeah. And he's got little pinprick glowing eyes like a Jawa, which are great. And then he's got this weird roto like they have the they've obviously created a uh, mechanical creature and the the way that the lips move is something else. His bottom lip is is out of out of sight. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but let's talk about the comparisons. This is our second film this year with a budgie murder. Yeah. And, and Drew Barrymore has a bird which they went hardcore obscure with the name for that bird. 
Polly. Oh, oh, Polly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that little guy, I, I think what he's trying to do is is to take out all of her henchmen before he takes her out. So I guess the bird is the first in in, in line of defense. No, the bird, the, the this little monster, this little troll guy says something so ridiculous after this bird murder. That's incredible. What? Okay, let's hear it. He pops one of its feathers in its cap. In his cap. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> that, that 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 plays a part later in the in the movie. Yeah. You said it's a line of dialogue. Him putting a feather in his cap. It's not a line of dialogue. Like they show a close up of his face and his hat, and he's got a bird feather in there, and it's not there accidentally. He puts it in there. <laughs> He also gives him the old uh, the hand gesture when he's leaving the room, like a little "go fuck yourself" hand does gesture. Yeah. Well, he does the thing with the with the you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, he uh, he takes that bird out, and of course, generals blame for it. So yeah, so what? So as this fun in the room begins, and the bird murder happens, and then the troll climbs aboard the bed, you know, and starts to creep. Uh, he actually gets close. He he even um you know Drew Barrymore's breathing through her nose, but he needs the mouth to be open to, to suck that air, right? So right. he he pinches her nose closed, and then the cat goes wild. It's actually a great effect because it's an it's obviously a matted uh, yeah. in the foreground. The troll's matted, but that's a real puppet hand touching her mouth. It's pretty great. Yeah, and it's and um the cat and and the troll have a battle. The cat throws a knife. And, and stabs the cat. He has a little dagger. Yeah, a little curved. Yeah, it's, it's, it, he wins round one. Yeah, he scurries back to his magic hole in the wall. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, the cat gets blamed. By the way, I don't want to spoil this, but at Christmas time, you're getting uh, that trolls on cameo. So I got you hooked up. <laughs> yeah. So do they ever? They had to have made. There's got to be some toy of this thing. Somewhere. They did. There was some sort of a, there was something that was made at one point with this man on it. But um, so Kenny Clark and John Naughton are the parents. Kenny Clark, the delightful star of the blob and blue thunder and a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, they think that general ate the bird. Uh, and, and Kenny Clark is sort of the semi villain of this, of this segment. Not really for any bad reason, just because she's trying to be a good parent. Um, but she takes that cat, she captures our cat, takes him to a, a, a shelter where he yeah, is she tricks it. She's yeah. having, she's, you know, that's the thing is this segment needs a villain because the troll sure ain't enough of one. Cause you just <laughs> love him. The troll is there to steal a child's breath and he's still because <laughs> he's, he's got this inner monologue going. It's adorable. He sounds like Ash's hand. But, yeah, it's like I think it's voiced by Fred Wilker, who's like a Scooby Doo guy. Yeah, um, I think he's dead. I don't think so. Oh, well, he should be. But so, but the, so th- this is so sad. She takes him to an, an animal shelter, and they pan up, and there's smoke coming out of the chimney. It's yeah. a it's a kill shelter, and they and they mark General for extinction the next morning, which I don't think they usually work that fast. But termination, and and the sad the sad part is the stakes are high. You know that troll's coming back now. Drew Barrymore's defenseless. And the cat is miles away at this animal shelter in a cage. And you're like, what's going to happen? And the best thing happens. Let's hear it. The cat fakes being asleep. And the guy opens the cage. The, the worker opens the cage to feed him. And it just hightails it out of the <laughs> escapes. It's like it's, it was faking being asleep. It's incredible. Because the cat obviously knew that the troll was starting to really win the audience over. 
had to had to kick things into overdrive. Yeah, it was taking the spotlight. Did you see what uh, old Candy Clark fed that cat to get it into the box to take it to the shelter? What, what? the brand of tuna? It was goat and tuna that she fed it. Goat, goat and tuna. Yeah, it was a mixture of goat and tuna, not just tuna. It's pretty gross. Wasn't he in Return of the Jedi? Wasn't he Jabba's sidekick? So the cat, as it rushes towards the house, gets, I told Nick this earlier, gets this hero moment, like this hero music played, the synth hero music, right? And then inexplicably, but also explicably, <laughs> the troll later, as he's doing a battle, gets the same cue. It's the same hero music. <laughs> the film is conflicted as to where it's bread's buttered. <laughs> Uh, and you you kind of root for the troll to, to escape. Like I have to say, like I was disappointed in a way because he gets clowned on at the end, which even endears him more to me that he's <laughs> that he is having such a hard time battling the cat and then loses. But you're kind of hoping that he scurries off to someone else's house. You know, well, he might have made it. He does it. They have a close up of his poor his <laughs> limbs. <laughs> That might be my favorite shot of the movie. They go overboard with the troll gore. Well, they I think they wanted to leave the parents no reason not to believe the story. Yeah. So they it was a grisly crime scene left behind. It's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. So so the, the troll is actually starting to steal some breath from Drew Barrymore. Does the same thing, pinches her nose, and it's starting to suck that breath. She's starting to cough. It's it's dire. Mm -hmm. The cat. The windows, the mom locks the window. The cat, that's how the cat got in before. The cat climbs up, the, sees the windows closed. What, what does it do? It's fucking Santa Claus is its way into the house. <laughs> exactly in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Down the chimney into the house. Oh my God. Incredible up to the room. And then be, there's a bed battle. By the way, another amazing thing about this troll knows what a door jam is. Oh, that's right. <laughs> And, and so it from the yeah in order to the door the doors close and it puts a uh, yeah door stopper on the other side of the door so the parents when Drew Barrymore starts screaming they can't get in yeah smart ass troll by the way this is great so we're talking about he had little bells on his on his jester's hat Kenny Clark comes across one of these bells on the floor in the the day before yeah mixed with marbles that had fallen out yeah they they. And she's like, kind of, oh, it's kind of cute. This little. I popped my eagle eye on that. That bell wasn't missing on his hat, so either he re he replaced it overnight. So to make him even more endearing, he sewed another bell on that hat. Between <laughs> visits, it's incredible that he um, that he is so confident of a monster that his whole mo is stealth and stealing breath. And he wears bells. Yeah, he's like, you know what? I'm so good. I got to hold myself back a little bit. I got to make it a little challenging. Yeah, he, he was also wearing those clown shoes with the honkers on them. Weren't weren't walking around me, <laughs> little bugle feet. So he the cat and they start to um he bring, he brings out his dagger. They start to battle. Yeah, they the, tussle. And then the the that's when the troll falls into the jar of marbles. That's his first. That's when you know it's starting to get. He's getting a rope. And well, that happens the first day. It does. He gets, no, he, gets, he gets smashed through the marbles this time. Does he? I thought he, he, he also falls into a drum. Yeah, that's before the cat shows up. But right? by the way, but that feather tickles Drew Barrymore's little foot. That's 
So he's he he's even putting items on his person that are gonna are gonna make it harder for him to succeed. He tickles her. He's like, I am fucking with you so hard right now. She's a sound sleeper for someone that's so scared, by the way. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what happens this battle is there's this daring escape when the there's a balloons in her room. And the um, little troll grabs the, the balloon strings and starts getting lifted up. That's when the hero music plays. The cat's trying to bat at the troll and it's spinning around. It's amazing because there's these shots. And this is with the, the, the animal actor. There's shots There's shots where it's obviously a fake troll tied to a balloon and the cat is jumping up, batting at it. It's amazing. It's so great. But the best part about that whole scene is the troll in the midst of this battle Looks like it's having a blast with those balloons. <laughs> Looks like it could not be happier to be floating in balloons. By the way, uh, he calls the cat shit ass kitty twice. What do you mean? He says shit ass kitty twice at that cat. I did not even know he spoke English. Well, I even rewatched it with the subtitles. There's no subtitles that say that, but I listened to it a lot, and he is saying shit ass kitty to that cat. Well, that just seals it then. He's the hero. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this cat. I wish the cat died. Um, <laughs> so then he gets climbs aboard a record player, unfortunately. Yeah. And the cat is an experienced DJ, and he starts <laughs> to <laughs> mess with the record speeds. This poor troll is hanging on for And it's what song's playing? Every breath. This cover of Every Breath You Take by the police. Again, that's maybe the worst choice. It's cute, but, I mean, it might have worked better if it was the real song. The album on the platter is not the Synchronicity album. No. I was hoping because I went, it looked almost like it. And I, I did my research and no, it's not. It should, play, should play a little Cat Stevens, you know what I'm saying? And so then Drew Barrymore tells the cat to make the record go faster. It does. <laughs> it's the unbelievable. Cat, cat is lassie up in this. Yeah. And uh, the troll spins off of the record player into box fan and explodes, gets shredded. Just as the parents burst into the room. Parent, well, Drew Barrymore lets them in. Candy Clark is in sends that the cat is there, but luckily not too much time passes before Drew Barrymore directs them to the fan where the slaughtered remains of our hero. You won't believe you, the, Thank God for HD because you can get a really good glimpse of a severed troll arm. Two. And two. It, There's yeah, two of them. Super cute. And his little, his little tiny toothpick dagger yep. also there. I'm just hoping... In, reforms can maybe can reform just like the head and species too that's what i'll say yeah we don't know what magic is like what it can do but then at the end the cat is eating a gigantic fish yeah it gets a reward right a gigantic fish but they they leave us with the basic instinct ending no they don't they stay they 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 tease you and then they show you okay you're cool that's what i'm talking about though they give that's what they do with basic instinct but sharon stone's on on top of michael douglas she reaches back is this film that influential Reaches back and then goes and, and you know, like she's going to stab Michael Douglas, but she's just really just, she doesn't. But then they show the ice pick under the bed. The cat looks like it's about to steal some breath. Right. But then it licks yeah. her mouth. It does. That's even worse. That may have been what set Drew Barrymore off the rails, trying to find chase, chase that high. <laughs> then the film ends and a miracle is inflicted upon us. What? You didn't stay? No. You, I, you, what you, did I didn't you turned the film off during the credits. So I you, fast forwarded it. So you mentioned Cat Stevens. Yeah. But Ray Stevens, who also appears in the film as a performer, 
sings the title song Cat's Eye over the credits. I did not hear this. This film has a theme song. It's an original song? Oh, yeah. And it is, an, it is as 80. It's not it's not that Ray Stevens. It's different. So it's not good. It's not guitars and Ray Stevens. Right. This this it is one. It is the most 80s amazing pop song. And it's about this film. Wait, it's, so he the lyrics are associated with the film. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's one of my favorite things that happens in movies. I got to watch this. What <laughs> do, you, do you have any lyrics? I actually was reading the lyrics or no, the lyric, you know, they're vague. Does he sing about the troll? No, 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 nothing like that. I don't, the, you know, they probably the, the guy probably didn't know the plot of the movie. I didn't know I was someday spelled. I couldn't know. There was no way to tell. I took a step. I slipped. I fell. I don't know why. Deep in the dark, it was too hard to see that in the night it had come for me. Huh? Just stole my soul. Imprison me with your cat's eye. Yeah, he's singing about the fucking troll. He is singing about the troll. It's incredible. Did he say? Is there anything about bells? Severed arms? <laughs> no. A whale-looking face? It's great so far. You say I found a bell? <laughs> a little troll was looking at me. <laughs> this is Drew Barrymore head down syndrome. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? The cat's eye, like they, this movie starts with the title. I don't know if, how they figured this out. A uh, close up of a cat's eye, and then they put the title "cat's eye" over the eye. They said that it took them months to figure out that opening. <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, but seriously, what a charming little movie! All right, let's just hand out the legend awards before we cut to the next piece here. There's, there are legends. There, there are three legends in this. All right, let's let's agree upon them then. James Rebhorn is a legend. Okay, you well, know, that's four then. There's four. Okay. Right, James the Rebhorn cat. is a legend. The cat is a super legend. The 12 cats. Yeah. And the main tabby, whatever, whoever that is. Yeah. Alan King. Chef's Kiss. Alan King, I, I'll agree. The what? troll. The troll skyrocketing up the charts. Might be my favorite thing we've ever seen on the show now. I was involved in a film about a little monster terrorizing a girl in her bedroom. Little monsters? Yeah. Not even, not even close. <laughs> Missed. We fucking whiffed compared did to you, this little guy. Did any of them wear any bells in that? No. Unfortunately. No. Yeah. This, this first notes that came from our test audience was needs more bells. <laughs> Tobin. All and can he call the girl a? Can he call her a shit ass kitty? <laughs> Cat's eye. Yeah. It's, it's like to fucking Cat's peel peel the veneer that little fucking hole in the wall. His little his little portal. You go on up in there through the fucking circuits and those, you know, fucking electrical things and the fucking all the all the fiberglass insulation and shit. And another secret room where there's a dude sitting there waiting to tat you out. Tat's eye. He's like, let's do this. 
What'd you get? A cat too? Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me see here. What would I get? Well, I mean, I'm just going to get serious for once. I'm going to get that to the troll on me. And I'd say, you know, I just put his, his little, uh, you know, completely on my arm, just the troll, because that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I put his, 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 his born date, which I, I'm just going to say 1647 <laughs> dash question mark. I don't think he's dead. So I'm, that's where I'm going with that. Well, he had sucked a lot of Barrymore breath. So maybe, maybe that he became ethereal and drifted into another uh, of his, uh, his skin golems that he travels in. Yeah. The sweet Barrymore breath. He was feasting on that. Yeah. He was loving it, but you know, she probably brushed her teeth. Like, and he probably likes that. Like, you know, yeah, that probably helps. Um, but you know, I, I don't, who knows what his life was like before that. You think that's his first kid? I hope so. I hope not. I hope he's I, taking lives. Yeah. We, and they never say if that's going to, maybe it just makes her sick for a couple of days. They never give us, yeah. who knows? I mean, they seem to, maybe think he might be sucking out the impurities for all we know. Yeah. It might, might be doing good. Yeah. Uh, that's what I do for, what about your tattoo? Same. We have matching tattoos. No, I've got typical, uh, the bugle on the plexus. I got the uh, I got a hero shot of James Woods standing there, like real tough with that oven mitt on his hand, because he acts an entire scene with an oven mitt on. If you remember, you remember? I don't remember. When, when he goes home to find his wife missing, there is food on the stove. It cat. It's on. It's a. It's burnt as fuck. Throws yeah, the entire. He grabs the oven mitt, puts it on his hand, throws the 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 frying pan into the sink that's somehow filled with water already. And then the phone rings and it's Alan King and he is going around the house with this oven mitt on. He answers the phone with the oven mitt on and he is wearing that thing. So I got a, I've got almost like a Michael Douglas and falling downs kind of shot of him standing there. Iconic with that fucking oven mitt killing it. How do you feel about tattoo removal? You got James Woods on you. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there was a time when I love that guy. Remember when nine 11 happened and he was, he was all like he had seen he, his big story was he had, he had seen a dry run of the terrorists and he reported it. Remember, he was all over the news after 9-11 about that. Was it true? Who knows? Well, I, I didn't finish telling you about the tattoo. It's James Woods' body, but it's got Barack Obama's head. <laughs> that which would piss him out. So it's all good. So you have been tasked with uh, coming up with a sequel to Cat's Eye. Right. The money is in escrow. Shit's going. You got this. What do you do? I mean, there's only one thing to do. All right. The troll. <laughs> is in the garbage can like his little dismembered body and his goo his spaghetti-o his guts everywhere his little tattered cute outfit jester's outfit all <laughs> chucked into the hefty bag out front and this garbage truck pulls up the gigantic garbage truck and they slowly zoom into the driver's seat and they you see another exactly the same size troll driving it <laughs> sitting, on a, sitting on a huge stack of books <laughs> you got a little yeah, little pulleys and you know sticks to go to the gas and the brake. Right, on his, on his like sh feet. like short round. Yeah. And then he stilts out of the car, so he's like because he doesn't want to take those off because he's still got to drive. After he gets his cousin, his brother, mm -hmm. in his truck, drive away, puts them back together, does some magic ceremony, right? And then the sequel just follows their adventures. They go to an island paradise, <laughs> and then they try to suck. Taurus breasts for the rest of bre breasts, <laughs> not breasts uh, for the rest of the film. This fall, it's like it's almost it like be, a kind could of be, a, could be their breasts. To be honest, turns into a, a raunchy sex comedy instead of a horror film. But yeah, that's it, man. He puts it back together, and they go on a little 
Island Adventure, where, you know, a horror film where you root for the bad guys again. Yeah. That's what my, I do. That's mine's cool. like a Science of the Lambs or Seven kind of movie, right? You got, mm-hmm. You're following this crack team of investigators, and they are busting into houses like all gritty shit, you know, like gritty photography, busting into houses, and they're empty. Nothing, nothing there. And they are, you know, they're pissed off, and they go drink, and they carouse, and then they go back, and they're out, and they're, and they're just completely consumed by their work. And they get a hot tip thir- at the beginning of the third act. They think they finally found their culprit and they fucking go all the way to Switzerland and they bust yeah. in, they sneak their guns overseas. They they're not in their jurisdiction bust through this chalet that looks unoccupied. It turns out they found their person and they see sitting at a, a sewing machine is an old lady sewing little tiny jesters clothing. They, they, they clothe the air for the troll. Sure. And they nail her to the. They fucking take her off. That now they are. They they've lost their inside man. You know. So they one step closer to the troll. Once one step close, they bust her. Yeah. Can I ask your question. Yeah. They kind of make you sad telling telling you that story because I started to feel for her character as well. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of uh, troll like you know seamstress. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I like the idea of, of the, how they would communicate. Like, I need another outfit. Or I, my cousin's been reincarnated and he's naked as shit. We need it. And she's like, I'm on it. Me, you know, go to the, 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 the designated location at 0600 and there will be a, a little tiny, a little tiny Brooks Brothers box. Just, and, and there is perfect Jester's clothing and a little curved knife. Can I back up with a question? Yeah. A clothier? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a word you made up? No, it's a word. Is it a word? Yeah. Clothe the air. I've never heard of it. Yeah, well, that's what it is. I wonder if this, in a way, she could be an offshoot of the Cabbage Patch Company. (laughs) You know? Yeah. One of the many questionable offshoots. The Stabbage Batch. (laughs) (laughs) There was a Gremlins vibe to some of the music, too, which I liked. With the yeah, I mean a Dante vibe to some of the stuff, right? I guess yeah, a little in small a soldiers, yeah. So look, you're in the film. You're a part of Cat's Eye. What shape does your performance take here? It's a good question. So I'm a the third parent at Barrymore's house. I live. I'm in the bed with them every night. <laughs> I I'm kind of ghosting him around the kitchen when he's getting his coffee and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, you know, I'm, 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 there's a scene where they're, 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 they're spooning and I'm out of sight, but I'm spooning as well. And I don't care who I'm spooning with. It could be him, could be her. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not, I'm not biased. And I'm just there. I, I'm in the shower with them. I am their, I'm the third guy. I'm, in, I'm the mate. And, uh, you know, I've got, you know, if he's dispensing fatherly advice, I'll back him up. You know, I'm like, yeah, it, what he said, or if mom is scolding her about the cat, I'm like, yeah, duh, fucking cat killed that bird, killed Polly. Remember that time that I, I watched your parents clean the pan? And then uh, <laughs> I've got opinions about trolls, you know? <laughs> Nobody's happier than me at the end of the movie, though. It's like, think, pe- peace is restored. I can get a night's sleep behind one of them. I have a little bit of an odd character. I'm the 13th cat (laughs) and I'm getting zero screen time. So like I'm in 13th on the call sheet, waiting my turn, watching my brothers and sisters, you know, appear on film, jealous, jealous, just watching the action fold every day, watching the cat get pet by 
I'm in a crate right. just watching this unfold. I'm watching them getting snacks. I'm starved, but they never care to feed me because they don't need me. By the mm -hmm. end of the, the time that they, you know, because Drew Moore has to, Barrymore has to, they call her Drew Moore? <laughs> <laughs> has to, they have to cut early. Like, I'm, they never use me. And then at the end of the movie, I find out why. Was that? They, they need a shot of the cat crying. And so they, they finally get me on camera and I, I'm like, you've never seen, have you ever seen a cat weep, openly weep, like tears? I've seen the crust afterwards, but never, yeah. never the action. Sobbing on camera. It's an incredible performance. Louis Teague, unbelievable, moves the whole crew. Yeah. Right? And I'm crying because it's like, the, 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 what happens is after the battle, I'm relief. It's like a, tears of relief. I've, I've done my job. And then I see the test screening. I, I get I get there, the test screening, and, and Teague had, had cut, has cut my scene. And so then you, the last shot is... And it's not even a shot. This just happens in real life. You, they pan down to my paw. And this is not even a camera. It's just the world panning down to my paw. <laughs> and I have that troll knife. <laughs> the, wor the, the world <laughs> is panning down to your paw. <laughs> it's because it's of it, the character, but it's not on film. Yeah. <laughs> I confuse myself during that. <laughs> Just the logistics of the, of the world. At least, I, at least I took the long way there. <laughs> All right, so dig this. Uh, the film's ended. There's a little stinger tacked on to the end after Cat's Eye the song is played. What'd they add to the movie? What's 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 the little coda? That's a good question. So mine goes back to the animal shelter, and that guy is crestfallen that he let the mm -hmm. cat out, and he's been he's been reprimanded at work. They're like, it's like, if you do this like another five or six times, I'm going to suspend you without pay for a week. He's fucking crestfallen. And so we just see him slowly walking into the euthanasia chamber to off himself. Well, they did want to leave it on a happy note. Yeah. I'm going to say this is my deleted scene. So they cut back to James Woods. It's, it's, after he, he gets into the tiny little pet sized electric chair. No, I'm, this is how I thought. I'm just going to say this because this is how I thought the movie ended. I would say the first segment ended. So after the party, they have this dinner party at the end when James Woods realizes his buddy's wife's finger's missing. And so this is the guy that introduced him to Quitter's Inc. And so James Woods cleaning up and he, uh, you know, doing the dishes and he notices something in his wife's purse. And there's like a love letter somebody wrote addressed to his wife from like her lover. And you just see James Woods going to get a pack of cigarettes and put them all in his mouth at once in the lighting <laughs> <laughs> to damn his wife to more electrocution. I actually thought that's how that segment ended. I thought that, is that had in the story? I don't think that so. He, did I, how did I make it up? Just because that's something Stephen King would do. Maybe I will say this in this movie, and this is a slim complaint because I do like the movie. The women in this movie do get the short end of the stick here. Decapitated in the first one, not in the first one, but in the second one, electrocuted and they have to get like you know the hair is all crazy <laughs> electrocuted and fingers missing in this in the first one the quitters think and then the last one the what you know the wife's kind of the villain in a weird way uh your argument doesn't hold water a little bit does i think the trolls a girl oh, that's the biggest zoom we've ever had on the show are you serious <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm gonna I go just assumed it was a dude i'm gonna go on a limb and say it's a girl troll just you think I wish, man, it looked like I tell you one thing about that troll. It's cute, but it also looked like it fell out of, fell out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down. Right. You know what I'm saying? By the way, you're forgetting about one of the the best developed female character in this movie. The cat? 
Norma Jean. Oh, the cat's a dude. <laughs> Norma Jean, we get her backstory. Her shoe is retrieved. Come on. Has almost more screen time than some of the women in this yeah. movie, for sure. Yeah. Let's remain on brand. Uh, you have been given the money to start your own business related to cat's eye. 30, 30 bucks uh, on the, on, you know, you Venmo me 30 bucks and uh, I will show up uh, with a suitcase at your house and I'll do you a huge favor. I'm going to sleep in your kid's room with them and I'm going to dress like that troll and I'm going to fuck shit up in the room at night dressed as that troll grown man with your child overnight as often as possible. Imagine you going on Shark Tank pitching this. <laughs> <laughs> I unexpectedly, unexpectedly have an idea for a sh- spinoff show that I'm going to pitch. Okay. Cat's Eye for the Straight Guy. <laughs> and instead of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, where they come into this slob's life, this this group of five five um, gay men, and you know, kind of vamp up or they they rework this guy's living situation his style his you know they take a look at his whole life and rework it to make him more attractive to i guess a female or his wife or girlfriend whatever it's like the same idea except replace those guys with just a cat that just just protects the straight guy from anything happening so you're doing fine just make sure like i don't know maybe about to burn himself like it's you know uh, kicks over like a <laughs> An oven mitt instead of he's about to grab the hot pot. Right. You know, throws an oven mitt over there. Just, you know, protects it. It's it's called cat cat's eye for the straight guy. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's incredible. It's, it's so much more than just the title. <laughs> if you think about it. I mean, it's it's the title, but then there's like yeah, a, there's a, a lot of premise. Yeah, a lot of work went into the premise. And then the title also. Yeah, the cat's eye for the straight guy. I mean, yeah. Seriously. Well, I'm going to do a spinoff of the spinoff called Queer Guy for the Cat's Eye. <laughs> People watch hours of the show like, is this just about a different dudes with cats? What's yeah. happening in the show? Yeah. It's that moment, man. The ship is uh, landing at the dock. You've, you're reunited with your item where you've collected all this debris over the years from various films. You have to now take something from Cat's Eye. I mean, I'm going to take something practical. I might take two things on this one. All right. With you. I'm going to take I'm gonna take those wet boots that they show in the closets. <laughs> yeah, just to have some protection on that island. Makes sense. Galoshes, and then I'm gonna take that dagger, that troll's dagger. Oh, that's so cute. And it's like a toothpick almost. I pick my pick the coconut on my teeth with that thing. It tastes a little coppery, you know. It's yeah. got cat blood on it, but that's all right. <laughs> I like cats, so I'm, can I do that? Just imagine, cool. imagine me in there, completely naked, galoshes, and picking my teeth with a small <laughs> dagger. I'm going to take something practical also. I get McMillan's wife's head. <laughs> this movie is so shy about the violence in it, by the way. They, they barely show that head. They don't show anything. They don't show the face of it. No, they just, they just show the hair. And you're supposed to assume, obviously, that's what it is. But yeah. they, they, don't, they don't really show any violence. There's no, a, lot, a lot of violence in this. Only the poor trolls... Just destroyed body at the end. Looks like someone took a hammer to a can of SpaghettiOs. Take the hell out of that head. Yeah. You have quite a collection. I don't know what that means. Yeah, it's a sexual playground. (laughs) 
But uh, yeah, you have the Beast Within head still there, right? Would, would you position them next to each other? That head is uh, just used for puppeteering when boats go by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> just for boats. I, I've got, like, like you're talking about that whole the puppeteering system that that little troll had in the truck, or like Jason Bateman did on that episode of It's Your Move, where he was faking the Dreads of Humanity music. He's puppeteering all those things. I've got a, a very unique system of ropes and pulleys around that head. Just It's, it's midair. Yeah, I know. I know why. I know why you got ropes and pulleys on. Yeah, it. ain't to ain't to signal ships. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.